0: Welcome to another Growth Masters Federal podcast. Growth Masters Federal is a nationwide community of growth-oriented government contractors, their owners and executive teams, and the professionals who support them. The purpose is to share experiences and discuss timely topics on planning and executing the most effective growth strategies in the complex, highly regulated, but opportunity-rich federal marketplace. Your host is Shirley Collier, president and founder of Scale to Market. Scale-to-Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and prosper in the federal marketplace by developing and executing data-driven, customized business development playbooks. Today's discussion is on Market Intelligence, Federal Procurement Data Gathering and Analysis. Shirley's guest today is Jamie Bratton, President and Founder of EasyGovOps. EasyGovOps is a sophisticated yet affordable market research platform combining state-of-the-art data mining technologies, with expert, personalized research services and a custom client platform for developing and tracking your opportunity pipeline. And now here's your host, Shirley Collier. Enjoy the podcast.
1: My special guest today is Jamie Bratton, founder and CEO of EasyGov Ops. Welcome, Jamie.
2: Thank you, Shirley.
1: Before we discuss the role that data plays in the success of government contractors, Tell our audience why you started EasyGovOps.
2: EasyGovOps has been uh, in the space for about 11 years. Uh, we got into the market intelligence space because we saw a definitive void in a sense of affordable market intelligence. And quite frankly, to provide technology in ways that the other folks that are in the space are not providing. So, in that kind of special light, kind of highlights analytics. There's so many different moving components and data you know, strands that it's very difficult to kind of connect those dots. So with human intelligence, with raw data, kind of paint a different picture. Because of the fact that this space is always evolving with new programs coming out on a daily occasion, with the GWACs that are obviously in the space, schedules, it's it's a very complex space to be in. So we want to provide a competitive advantage with with, uh, analytics and data.
1: What you didn't say, Jamie, (laughs) is that you are considered an industry leader. You've taken on the 900-pound gorillas in this space and you have leaped over them in terms of features and function for a very reasonable price. So I want to ask you some questions from that perspective. Sure. You are highly innovative and competitive in a very good way, which means that you have your finger on the pulse of federal procurement practices. So federal procurement practices have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. It used to be that all you needed was a GSA schedule. Right. So looking in your crystal ball, how do you envision these practices changing in the future? Sure.
2: The main challenge in this space, and this is a huge challenge for government contractors, is because the space is ever evolving in a sense of GSA taking a, a stronger foothold through their vehicles, through uh, you know, specialized GWAGs, through GSA schedules. There's a, a huge transparency concern in a sense of you know, okay, they're taking on more of the market share. Uh, roughly about 10 years ago, they were about a quarter of the market share in a sense of all the opportunities. Uh, I'm talking about GSA specifically through the Gwax and schedules. Well, the whole vision of GSA is to actually take over more of a percentage. It'd be roughly about two thirds is their target. They're still a long ways away from uh, achieving that, but th- they're roughly about 35 to 40% of the market share now. So you can see a trend. So what's happening is that, these one-time contracts that go out into the procurement space and the government you know, is obviously you know, understaffed and overworked in the sense of trying to find truly vetted candidates for these particular opportunities. So they're choosing easier means to be able to procure their needs. The GSA world is trying to develop certain programs to get possible candidates for those particular opportunities. Now, the challenge is, how do you know about these programs? And you have to be kind of in the information pipeline. GSA has a um, Twitter feed that you can actually see what's happening, you know, get a finger on the pulse of their world. But how do you find out about these different um, vehicles? Well, schedules haven't changed too much since the dawn of time. There's about 41 schedules in in the mix. Each one provides a kind of unique uh, need for a skill set, you know, to be part of that particular schedule. But some schedules, you know, for example, Schedule 70, there's almost 4,000 vendors, qualified vendors, on that schedule. That's highly competitive. Exactly. So 4,000 vendors, and you're one. You know how to compete with 4,000 people in one procurement opportunity. So there's a challenge in that world. But you know the cool thing about schedules is, is it's treated just like a, a GWAC, a government wide acquisition vehicle, where you get on a particular schedule, and any agency can be able to find you and still be able to procure their needs. But government contractors love the fact that they can deal with one contracting officer be part of a pool of seven candidates, not be part of 4,000. And statistically, their odds are obviously going to be much better. And it's a government-wide you know, exposure as opposed to one particular, uh, you know, particular agency. So, you know, again, you got, it's a checks and balances. You've got to figure out what's best for you as a government contractor. How can that government agency, especially if you're focusing on one or several, find you and actually procure those particular uh, goods through you or services through you?
1: Um, So, so Jamie, you mentioned about um, the GSA having a a GWAC, but there are other agencies, aren't there, that also have GWAC?
2: There is a a, a GWAC called VETS, which is obviously geared for the Veterans Administration. It's a vehicle and a means for the Veterans Administration to be able to procure their services or goods through that particular vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, The VETS vehicle, you have to be a SDVOSB. Um, 99% you know, go through that. They do have drips and drabs. About 1% go to VOSBs, veteran or mm-hmm. small businesses. But their primary focus is SDVOSBs, yeah. as, the, as it should be.
1: Yeah, service disabled.
2: Uh, absolutely. And th- there's other um, GWACs that are very unique in stature. There's Alliant 1 and there's Alliant 2. Uh, there's a small business segment you know, within those you know, particular vehicles. Alliant 2, unfortunately, there's a lot of protests you know, happening right yeah. now. So, with that being said, they're still trying to iron out the protests in a sense of the the pool that's already been accepted. Yeah, and and that's one of the biggest pet peeves in, in, in the procurement space. Is unfortunately, in the last several years, there's been a tremendous amount of protests mm-hmm. that the non-participants are, are throwing their arms up in the air, and, and it's putting a halt on those programs. Altogether.
1: What do you think is the basis of those protests?
2: Well, it's unfair practices in, in, a, in a myriad of different ways. You know, quite frankly, a, a lot of the protests are, if you look at percentages, they're the, the mid-sized to the larger tier folks that are doing the protests oh. because they're not getting their line share of what they've been accustomed to. So you know, the pretense was that it was small business. Yeah. You know, that felt yep. that they were slighted. Yeah. It's actually the opposite because of. You know, contracting dollars are being, you know, shrunk tremendous, you tremendous know, amount of volume. Yeah. That these mid-tier and large-tier that have big benches, you know, they have a tremendous, you know, amount to feed, that these folks are, are struggling. So they're doing everything they can to make sure they can still, you know, maintain the contracted dollars they have been accustomed to in the past.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to the, the fact that uh, the government is moving more towards GWACs, IDIQs, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and BPAs. Most of my clients complain legitimately Mm -hmm. that finding out information on GWACs, um, like when they compete, Mm -hmm. um, when when do they conduct on-ramps for small businesses, or the task areas and requirements to prime, how do you suggest that they go about finding this critical information?
2: Uh, That's probably the best question of the day, Shirley. The the, the challenges are many. There's not a lot of exposure communication-wise. Um, you have to be part of the you know, particular on-ramp scenarios. You know, attend industry day events, uh, which is essential for some of these uh, your big on-ramps and some of these big programs that are out there in the space. The biggest challenge is, is, is I'll give an example: uh, CIOSP three.
1: Yeah.
2: It's a, uh, it's a, it's a big program. Uh, it, there's no transparency. It's a lockdown you know, uh, platform. It's called egos. Egos. And in that, we don't even have access. You know, Market Intelligence Solutions, you know, any entity doesn't have access to, to, to particular procurement uh, solicitations. Uh, the contracts themselves that are reported, yes, we have access to that. That's
1: again, after the fact. That's
2: after the fact. And not only that, the, the challenge is, is that what took place? You
1: mm-hmm. know, the, the
2: reported contracts, which come from, and I'm sure we'll expand upon this in, you know, in a later question, the reported contracts all come from FPDS. The, the the challenge is is that that particular data source, which is the only entity you know that's out there that the government uses to, to kind of relay this information, it's it's not really detailed enough in a right. sense of the transaction. So these task orders that come out, you know, there'll be a paragraph, uh, there might be a sentence, there might be three words in a yeah. sense of a total description. So <laughs> the challenges are many as to when you try to track these and try to find these and try to find task orders which are like many contracts within these you know, particular mm-hmm. programs. If
1: you're not a contract holder.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And and how do you find out about these? Yes. And and that's where we come into play where you, you know, quite frankly, you have to have market intelligence. Yes. If you are competing in the higher realm, you know, of, of government contracting, you know, as a government contractor, you know, and you want to go after these IDIQs and you're on a particular vehicle and you're not winning task orders, you must know who is winning those task orders. Why are they winning those task orders? You already have a contact and simply reach out to those folks and say, listen, I'm fully qualified, fully vetted. You've already approved me as a vendor Mm -hmm. in this particular vehicle. How do you know that I'm fully qualified for this particular task? And when that task order actually ends, to make sure that I get equal footing for that task order within that vehicle. So the challenges are many, but that's a great question.
1: So most government contractors seek both prime and subcontracting opportunities. So how does a government contractor... Uh, with subcontracting ambitions find uh-huh. the perfect prime partner.
2: It's a great question. And the the, the challenges are many in a sense of a government contractor as to where should they have their focus. You know, obviously if you haven't won any prime contracts, you should focus on the sub world, you know, at first. Um, you get some, you know, obviously, you know, contract history, develop a rapport with the with the primes and, and quite simply that that takes a while. You know, typically a lot of the mid tier to higher tier, you know, primes have Small business, uh, you know, teams that you'll have to deal with them, and but uh, you'll feel like one of you know a thousand you know right. participants. So it's it's kind of hard to stand out. Um, you have to you know, obviously provide some kind of distinct advantage for you as a government contractor, whether it's what we call disruptive technology. Yeah, um, you know, that will obviously give you a competitive advantage not only from from you know partnering with a prime, but you know obviously trying to win a prime contract for a particular agency. But most. Contractors should have a subcontract ambition, as well as a prime contract ambition. If they're starting out, the focus should be subcontract you know uh, you know endeavors. How to find the primes? Uh, finding company data is an extreme challenge uh, for small business. Um, company data comes from a myriad of different sources. There's SAM.gov. And that basically gives you the, the grassroots, you know, who are the, you know, the main contacts, first name, last name, you know, email addresses, uh, very basic information about government contracts. It doesn't tell you how they're performing. It doesn't tell you what prime contracts they've won, you know, their history from the subcontract scene. So there's a myriad of different sources that you have to actually tap into. And that, it, you know, requires a lot of bandwidth. They don't have the availability, quite simply, because they're wearing the accounting hat, you know, the payroll hat, you know, human resources hat, staffing hat. Uh, or hats, I should say. You know, the challenges are many trying to find that particular intel. So the government actually has procurement sites or actual, you know, websites to garner bits and pieces or data strands. Yeah. You know, what we do is we try to combine all those data strands together, which is a huge challenge on on our part. But it's pretty magical to actually see that happen. So sam.gov is one source. Uh, Usa. Spending.gov is a subcontracting source. They are they're also a prime source, but all subcontracted data, when it's reported. Now i will put emphasis on when. Uh, mid-tier and large-tier report. Small-tier government contractors are not obligated to report. Mid-tier are requested to report. Large primes typically are, are obligated to report. Um, so there's a challenge. It's it's not a 100% of the pie, but we garner in, in what we produce um, all that intel on, and you know, as to who's winning those subcontracts. So to answer your question fully, how do I, as a as a contractor, find primes that are awarding subcontracts you can find that in usaspending.gov but it doesn't give all the connecting of the dots of what that company is all about it talks about the subcontracts that they awarded but it doesn't go into the meat of what the prime is who are the prime contacts within that particular company so again that touches on the challenge all those data strands all these different sources
1: and, you know, I always advise my clients to gather as much data as they possibly can before they approach a potential prime contractor. Absolutely. So they are prepared. They understand the history mm-hmm. of the contracts that have been won by that prime. Absolutely. And the contracts that are coming up for recompete so they can talk about maybe jumping on a team when the contract comes up for recompete. And uh, I know they all, they all struggle with that. Um, And of course, the consistent theme with all of my clients is that they want to grow rapidly. Absolutely. You know, they don't don't want to take 10 years to get there. They want to get there in two years.
0: Today's podcast on market intelligence is brought to you by Scale to Market, helping businesses thrive and grow in the federal marketplace by developing and executing data-driven, customized business development playbooks. Shirley Collier is your host, and our guest today is Jamie Bratton of EasyGovOps. Now back to the podcast.
1: So, Jamie, what do you think are the most important factors that lead to rapid success in the federal space?
2: That's always going to be a challenge. You know, for a small business specifically, they have, if they've got to have subcontracting, you know, goals, you know, with, within the mindset as to how do I achieve a faster your track to win subcontracts because they need money, they need, they need revenue. So that would be the first avenue to, to, to be able to start developing relationships with certain primes. Look for primes that have uh, locales close to them, okay? There's nothing going to trump a, a relationship that you have a one-on-one, you know, with a particular uh, prime. So look for companies geographically close to you. Look for you know, companies that are on particular vehicles that you know, basically are just starting out or they have a history of being on the first generation of those particular vehicles that you know you can assist on. You have the same kind of mission goals and kind of in, in alignment with that prime. you got to develop a rapport you know, in a short track of time because developing a relationship with a particular prime takes forever. So start now, start early in developing that. A new contractor looking for prime contracting opportunities, you know, the, the philosophy of is you have to have past contract history as a prime is it, totally true. Now, yeah. there are certification processes you can get underway. You, you can obviously go through the 8 a program, 9-year program, you know, the financially you know, set program for, for small business. Uh, you can, if you're a veteran, you know, obviously be a you know, VOSB certified. Um, SDVOSB, you know, obviously if, if you represent the military within a country. Um, there's zone. There's all these different you know, entities, what we call set-aside you know, distinctions, that will provide an advantage for you. So you have to start early. Yeah. Those okay. don't just happen overnight to, to get those certifications approved. Uh, the ADA program typically takes about a year. Uh, you can fast-track that. There are services out there that will help you. You have to pay for them, unfortunately. Uh, that will fast-track you to get you on those particular uh, set-aside uh, distinctions in about six months or so. Um, but to get on a schedule, you know, we were talking about GSA schedules earlier, it takes about a year, yeah, and it's almost yeah, impossible that. to fast-track that. Uh, there's you know, services out there that provide that you know, fast-track, but you could be paying five, dollars dollars 7000 for those services. And again, as a small business, you don't have five, dollars $6,000, 7000 right. uh, yeah. Again, with all purpose of thought, how can I succeed? Uh, and You're, you're formal, you know, formalizing your company. You're, you're, dev- you're obviously hiring folks to, to, to obviously get, get you on the way. The challenges are many in the sense of small businesses to be able to thrive. But if you work with the premise of developing relationships early, finding primes local to you, try to find prime contracts that are small in nature, uh, 2.5 million or less typically would be the, the emphasis in the sense of you know, targeting. If you
1: want to prime them Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. Yes. If you want to
2: prime. Exactly. If you want to prime. And the certifications, I, I can't put enough emphasis on it. the certifications. If you have their certs in play, that will actually help you with no past contract history to actually get in play if you're looking at small contracts. Yeah. Once you get one under your belt, it's amazingly easy yeah. you're from that point forward to actually land other private contracts. again because now
1: you have past performance.
2: Absolutely. Small in nature. Again, it's, it's like taking a little chunk of the pie and just yeah. taking another big nibble and, and just moving forward.
1: So you've mentioned a couple of things that I think are, are important. One is that you have to have a value proposition. Second is that you have to develop relationships with, with people. Third is that if you qualify, you need to get on some programs, uh, socioeconomic certification programs. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I'm a business and I've done all three of mm-hmm. those things. But now, you know, I, I have very limited resources. So how do I know which opportunities I should be focus on, focusing on? Because there are literally hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of potential contracts and contract vehicles. Absolutely. How do I sort through all of that?
2: It's always going to be a challenge, you know. In this space, like I said, you know, knowing the GSA is trying to take a larger market share of the space, and the lack of transparency, um, the challenges are always going to be many, especially moving forward. So, um, there's obviously you know events that you can go to, industry day events, specifically that government contracting officers actually put on, you know, representing their agencies. There's different periodicals you can subscribe to without giving too much credence on these different sources, but GovCon Wire. Washington technology. We subscribe to all these different periodicals. We're kind of periodical crazy. In <laughs> We're trying to get, gather the intel. But these particular periodicals have their ears to the ground as to what's moving and shaking. We tap into these. We provide first generation, you know, kind of overviews because a lot of these programs, you know, they just didn't reinvent themselves, you know, magically for the first generation. Uh, they've been in, in existence, and, and they'll come out with generation number two, and generation number three. and They'll expand upon that. And they'll focus on different task uh, you know, areas and so forth for, for the, you know, the newer generations. But you have to subscribe or at least have access to a lot of these periodicals. That's, that's quite you know, simply what our researchers do internally you know, with, within my company. Uh, on average, and this is a really good you know, statistic, about 40 IDIQs come out every single day, on average. Wow. Statistic. Within those 40 IDIQs, some of them might be second generation, third generation, and so forth. Some of them might be on-ramps for future big programs. Um, and the challenge is, how do you find out that they are an on-ramp or they are an IDIQ? Well, there's there's ways you can obviously do a, a keyword search, IDIQ and FBO in, in, in that particular search, but it will give you no intel in a sense of the first generation, who are the players. You know, knowledge is power in this particular space. You have to know who the players are on the prior generation of that particular uh, you know program that's uh, new and upcoming. So, and who were the favorites in that you know previous award if there was eight players and seven of them were major participants. One, unfortunately, didn't win any task orders. You need to know that. So the bottom line is, is again, knowledge is power. Pure articles really help us you know, totally, you know, for that intel.
1: Yep. so I want to elaborate a little bit on uh, that intel. How do contractors find out not only uh, which agencies um, are buying what they're selling, but the people within those agencies that they should be talking to?
2: Great question. The biggest avenue besides the periodicals that we tap into is we look at the forecast. The forecast for each agency is publicized for the most part, I would say 95% of the agencies actually you know, go through channels to publicize them. Uh, the other 5%, like DISA, for example, um, you have to you know, turn 42 rocks to be able to find it. It's, it's unfortunate, but it is just the way it is. Within these agency forecasts, they talk about the upcoming year. Unfortunately, some of the forecasts come out staggered they don't come out obviously when the 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 new fiscal year actually starts Mm -hmm. you know they'll be staggered typically six months thereafter into the actual year of the forecast they're actually trying to promote which is (laughs) insanity which i can't still can't quite figure that out so uh, you know for example if you know the government starts their government year october 1 and it runs to september 30th uh, every year uh, some agencies don't release their forecasts till January, February of the following year. It, it's
1: I've seen them as late as April.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> April. Quite simply, this is one of them that, that comes out in April. So, how do you find out, you know, for the following year forecast when there's a six month stagger, you know, si- you know, situation as to what's moving and shaking? So these unique programs, you know, unique IDIQs are coming out into play, but still tap into it because, you know, as I shared earlier, there was delays. There's protests. So even though the the government's, you know, premise of thought is that these are going to release in in that, you know, that year, uh, they most likely will be pushed back a little bit. So if you get ahead of the curve, know about these particular, you know, uh, contracts way in advance, you know, these particular vehicles that they're specifically targeting. Position yourselves to actually look for the on-ramps to some of these programs. That you see as the best fit for you, you've got to do that in advance. And
1: the data on the people to contact is also in there.
2: Absolutely, the 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 first name, last name, email addresses are in their forecast. Typically, most agencies will do an Excel file extract that you can tap into, so you can sort, filter, go crazy. Some agencies are very archaic; they'll have Word documents and PDFs, which you can't filter. (laughs) It's it's a bloody nightmare. Exactly. So some of those, you know, will be a challenge, but. You know, the bottom line is, is that there are resources out there to tap into that. You have to just you know, Google you know, certain keywords to be able to find them and track them.
1: Yeah. So, Jamie, a common mistake that I see small businesses make is to be unaware of their competitors. Mm-hmm. So what is the best source of data on incumbents, likely competitors, and potential teaming partners?
2: One avenue, FBO does allow interested vendors to be able to publicize their interests. Now, most folks that advertise are extremely small business. They've never won a prime contract, yeah. ever. And most of them have never won a subcontract. They're doing it for exposure because with the, with the pretense that somebody else is going to win that particular opportunity mm-hmm. and that they know about them and that they can actually vet them and check them out. Okay? Yeah. Now, in a sense of data about the companies, we talked about SAM.gov as one source. FPDS, when task orders take place, and this is very unique, when FPDS... Gov actually produces contract confirmed data about that activity or task orders and so forth. When those task orders are issued, part of that that company that is actually won that particular task order that information because of the contractual agreement you know with the agency and the, and the KO or the contracting officer they have to report their latest revenue, how many employees that they actually have. So we actually tap into that for every task order activity. Now, unique scenario with 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 within what we do, and this is very unique is that we take the latest task order activity. The latest task order activity is updated within the company profile, and that way you have the latest information about that company. Uh, It's always going to be a challenge, Shirley, in the sense of trying to get the latest information about a particular company.
1: So, Jamie, this question is not about market intelligence, but about you as a CEO and an entrepreneur. What advice would you give to the 21-year-old Jamie?
2: Get more sleep. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this space is, uh, you know, like I said, it's ever-evolving because you know, you're dealing with so many different government agencies and, and their forecasts and, and the dynamic situation of you know, customers that uh, have retired colonels and generals running their companies that have very high needs of you know, specialized intel uh, about these certain programs. And, and you, you always have to stay in the know. Yeah. So the challenge is, is that you have to have a big bench to get all this information disseminate through it. Yes, you know, and the, the challenges are many in the sense of, you know, how can I pull all these different data sources, compile everything together, paint a big picture, and then have all these movement components? Like for example, you know, data feeds are coming in that happened this morning, two, four, you know, three, four, five o'clock, you know, this morning, of new opportunities. That could be two thousand opportunities that hit the space just this morning. Yeah, and some of these opportunities are going to be big in nature. Some of these are going to be you know, building a fence in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, <laughs> nobody really cares. But, you know, some of these are very, very important. And, and then how can you get this information out to the masses? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's always a challenge in a sense of, you know, all these moving components.
1: So, Jamie, it's time to wrap up. Thank you so much for your insights today. Folks, to get in touch with Jamie or to review the EasyGovOps software, go to EasyGovOps.com. That is Z G O V. This is Shirley Collier, signing off for now.
0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information on how to grow your business in the federal marketplace, visit our website at scale2market.com. That's scale2market.com. And subscribe to the Growth Masters Federal channel on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us again soon and have a great day.